0: You're listening to Straight Note Chaser on Dogs by Nature.
1: Yeah, Harrison's done a a nice job. He, to his credit, he really, really is a diligent worker, a student of this game. Uh, We've moved him around the formation, moved him to different positions, and he hasn't missed a beat. So, pleased with where he is, and uh, congrats to him on that award.
2: Now, here's your host, my dad, Thelonious7.
0: My Dogs by Nature family, I hope this transmission finds you well. My name is Thelonious7, and you're listening to Straight No Chaser on Dogs by Nature Radio. We are two teams away from finishing our preseason preview of all 13 Cleveland Browns opponents in the 2020 season. Today, we are fortunate to be joined in the Straight No Chaser studios by at football underscore grump and at the cranky fan those two guys co-host the just giants podcast and i appreciate having these two fine gentlemen here on dogs by nature radio
1: hello everyone i am the football grump
0: and i am the cranky fan
1: we are the hosts of the just giants podcast and we're just going to take up a little bit of your time to talk a little bit about the new york giants an opponent of the cleveland browns later on this year (laughs)
0: The Football Grump can be found at football underscore grump. And the Cranky Fan is at the Cranky Fan on Twitter. (laughs) So with the pleasantries aside, it's great to have you here. So let's get into the discussion. So first, I'd really appreciate it if you guys wouldn't mind disclosing your baseball fandom. I don't even watch baseball anymore, but I need to know if you like the Yankees for the record.
1: Disclosing our baseball fandom... Um, cranky fan what kind of baseball fan are you?
2: Anybody on Twitter knows that I am the biggest Tampa Bay Rays fan who lives in the New York City area
1: and uh, although that I, uh, I am the son of some rabid Yankee fans I am baseball agnostic uh, if anything I like to kind of root for the Mets but I don't pay that much attention to baseball personally football is the you know alpha and omega of my sports world
0: Okay. On one level, that's a relief. Uh, but on another level, I'm a little embarrassed because of my lack of professionalism. So, I vow to be far more professional for the rest of this interview. You have my word on it. So, I guess we'll bring things back to football by getting to the coaching realm in the New York Giants organization. Joe Judge wasting no time putting his signature on that Giants football team. <laughs> what do you think of his approach?
2: I think it's something that's really needed for this franchise. I mean, too many years we've had coaches that have been very lax in discipline and structure. uh, And you're seeing it on the field. You see all the penalties. You see the lack of organization on this team. And somebody had to come in here, you know, someone from the Belichick tree to kind of right the ship and change the culture. So I am all for it so far.
1: I think there's a lot of things... For Joe Judge, that that were considered in him getting the job, and his approach is only one of them. But I do think that uh, they needed an alpha personality to come into a group of young guys, get them headed in one direction, and change the culture entirely from this rudderless ship to a you know fundamental focus, winning attitude. So I, I think that it works and it's good for a very young team, which the, they they are.
0: Yeah, coming out of the Pat Shermer era. I'm sure you guys could use a breath of fresh air. So in your estimation, who do you think takes home the NFC East crown?
2: This is like pulling teeth to say, but I have to go with Philly. And the only reason why is because there's a lot of coaching turnover in the NFC East. There's a lot of changes all around. And with the lack of preparation for this offseason, the true preparation, I go with the team with the most stability in coaching. And unfortunately, that has to be Philly.
1: It's a smart answer. I would say uh, the Cowboys are the closest with talent uh, in the division to win. Um, New York and Washington are, are still turning their ships around. And Philadelphia, while they're talented, I, I think they're living dangerously with their talent and, and a doofus head coach, personally.
0: Wow, shots fired. Not surprised to hear you guys go with Philly as a lot of the NFC East uh, opponents, your peers, are also going with Philly. One more quick question from the coaching realm. How has your team benefited from having former Browns head coach Freddie Kitchens in the building? I think Freddie Kitchens is part of the plan that
2: Joe Judge set up when he set his coaching staff up. I mean, this is a guy, Joe Judge, who's never been a head coach. He's never been a coordinator, you know, at any level. And I think he has built up his staff with former head coaches, whether it's in the division, in the league, or at major college football. And I think having you know i think not having as much of an ego to think he knows everything like some of the coaches we've had in here you know we can bounce ideas off guys who have head coaching experience and you know a guy who was pretty good as an offensive coordinator for cleveland so i i think it's you know him specifically can be vain to be seen but i think just having the collection of experienced guys who know what they're doing could only help a first-year coach
1: I agree entirely. He's one of several assistants with head coaching experience, even if it didn't go so well uh, in his first, uh, you know, attempt at a head coach. Uh, you know, I think his his ability to be up close with the talent as an offensive coordinator and, and and the big picture of being a head coach, I think he'll be able to get the most out of what we expect to be a top tight end in, in Evan Ingram and the emerging talent that we have as uh, at Caden Smith.
0: Freddie Kitchen certainly gained a lot of valuable experience in Cleveland. Uh, we'll see how that plays out for the Giants as we get into the 2020 season. <laughs> so how about this? Daniel Jones crashed the top 10 party in last year's draft. What are you expecting from the signal caller this year? How confident are fans in the future of the former Blue Devil?
2: Uh, I'm looking at this as a longer-term project. I don't put him in the same category as you know a first overall pick or, or, or can't-miss prospect. I mean... To me, it's just continued development. Uh, he showed some flashes. I think the last coaching staff did him an incredible disservice of throwing him into the fire in week three, not preparing him all offseason to be the head, the starting quarterback, and I think it showed. He showed some flashes that he could be pretty good, and he showed a lot of the time that he was an experienced rookie. I think the, the goals for this year are pretty simple. Cut down on the turnovers. Cut down on the fumbling when he gets hit. Um, have a year you know, of experience and knowledge in you know a new offense which unfortunately has been severely hurt by the the covid offseason not having a chance to fully prepare but i just want to see that leap from the first to second year of a guy who's more comfortable in himself and a little bit better decision making and a little better ball handling
1: yeah it's it's got to be better ball security i'm not expecting it everyone is he just simply can't fumble the way that he did um to, to your to your point Um, he was thrown right into the mix without getting first-team reps throughout the entire summer or spring with the Giants last year. So, you know, that is the specific thing that we really expect from him this year. Other than that, it really is just the just continuing to develop. I mean, he already was making good decisions. He was already commanding the offense pretty well. He commands respect in the huddle. He throws well and with accuracy and with, with a little bit of guts. I mean, he, he will throw into, you know, push the ball downfield rather than just dumping off for the super safe throw. So just that continued development is outside of the ball security. Just continued development.
2: Uh, I think it's wait and see. I think, uh, you know, some of the fans who just drink the giant Kool-Aid think he'll be the next Eli Manning. I think there are some people that, you know, do not like Dave Gettleman as a GM and think every move he made is a disaster and will have a bias against Daniel Jones. I think the majority of the fan base and the ones that we, you know, interact with all the time have a wait-and-see approach. You know, we saw some things, like I said, and uh, they gives you hope that he could be at least a competent starting quarterback. Uh, we define franchise quarterback around here as a guy who can... You don't have to worry about him for the next six, six seven years. It doesn't necessarily mean he'll be a, you know, an all-pro doesn't mean he'll be a Hall of Fame or just some guy that you can rely on to be, you know, successful. If he's, if he's the next Phil Simms, we'll gladly take it. So I think we're all very cautious and just kind of waiting to see what happens and not really counting on this year as being a marker for anything due to the, you know, due to the COVID situation and due to having a whole new coaching staff.
1: I think fans have mostly changed their tune on Daniel Jones since draft night. But I would say some are bordering on, on too confident that you know, like you said, some of them think they're that he's a reincarnation of Eli Manning. Uh, you know, completely different situation. There were Manning was a consensus, almost consensus first round pick, uh, first overall pick. Um, but there is a portion that, and they're generally the the portion of the fan base that hates everything that Dave Gettleman has done as GM that thinks that he is still just as much of a bust as he was on draft night. And, um, you know, their main go-to point is the fumbling issues that he had in his first year. So, um, overall, though, I would say most of the fan base is is pretty confident, pretty happy with what he's shown so far.
0: Well, this is certainly a critical year in the Daniel Jones experiment. We'll be keeping a close eye on the young signal caller week 15 in that game against the Giants. So... We also wanted to check in on Jabril Peppers and Kevin Zeitler. How do you think you guys fared in recent swaps with the Cleveland Browns? And will you admit to missing Odell Beckham Jr. just a little bit? I think a lot of it's to be determined, I think. You know, they've
2: uh, we've been pretty successful trading partners. We've made a lot of deals. I think the, uh, the Odell Beckham trade was something on the surface that a lot of Giant fans are very upset about. A lot of Giant fans that like style over substance a little bit more. I mean, for as flashy as Odell Beckham was and as much of a talent he was, you know, he came with a tremendous amount of headaches. And, you know, signing him to that huge, huge contract did kind of put the team behind the eight ball a little bit with the salary cap. Uh, You know, having him, you know, away from here kind of gives a fresh new start, which, you know, a lot of people, again, go back to how much they don't like Dave Gettleman and think, why just sign him to trade him? But, you know, again... The results of that trade and how it really affects the Giants is still to be determined to see how draft picks shake out from him, you know how Debril Peppers ends up playing on this team. But uh, I'd say for right now, I think that 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 trade is really the biggest of all the other ones. It was a necessary eagle from our point and uh, still to be
1: determined. Yeah, I think the Giants made required swaps to dump big tra- contracts and do a complete teardown of the roster. It, it's not really so much a who won or lost. It was a required movement. Uh, Olivier Vernon was getting paid top... Pass rusher money, but wasn't really producing as a pass rusher. You know, not with the Cleveland Browns, but Jason Pierre Paul had a very backloaded contract and would later injure his spine in a car accident in the offseason, I think. Um, You know, Beckham is a top five or top three wide receiver. His talent alone is what propelled a lackluster Giants team to the playoffs in 2016. Nevertheless, his antics kind of grew a little bit tired. They didn't stop after he got paid. So, you know, with all of this, Jerry Reese's our former GM, his strategy of building a roster from the outside in was essentially reversed, you know, for a bunch of interior talent in, in Dexter Lawrence and Kevin Zeitler, which ultimately became the fruits of that of that trade, and, and O'Shane Zimenis. Zeitler is probably the best offensive lineman that we have, and Dexter Lawrence is probably the best defensive lineman that we have. Peppers, you know, he allowed us to move on from Landon Collins, who was set to make big safety money, which he got from Washington, but he do, he struggles in past coverage. The trade-off is that Peppers isn't as talented down at the line of scrimmage, but he's better in coverage, so essentially a cheaper player that helps at a bigger spot of need on the team.
0: Odell definitely seems more comfortable here in year two. OV is a voice of experience that we probably needed in the room, also brings some toughness, I think we missed Zeitler, but I'm shocked to hear the reports about Jabril Peppers. Here in Cleveland, when Peppers got in the box, he was making plays. But when he was out in coverage, he was getting played. I'll be keeping a close eye on him this season, though. <laughs> so how do you think the Giants brass has handled the NFL's new normal? What do you think the games will feel like without fans? Well, it's going to be very
2: strange for the first time in 40 years not getting up on a Sunday and going to the Meadowlands and going to a game. So, you know, obviously not being a part of the game experience is going to be a major, you know, life-altering change. But, I mean, I think on TV, I think once you get past the newness and kind of the shock that there are no fans, it's going to be close to normal. I think we've seen it with, uh, especially with baseball, with crowd noise being pumped in by the networks that you know, once you start watching, you kind of forget that they're orange fans. I mean, think about when you watch a game on TV, a football game, that the, the cameras, unless they're doing specific crowd shots, are not focused on the stands, they're focused on the field. And the way the camera angles are, you hardly ever see fans anyway. So I think once you get past week one, week two, the TV experience, if they do it right with crowd noise, won't feel that differently, I think, going forward.
1: I mean, I think there's an adjustment period you know, it, it sucks, but at least I don't have to wait for the cranky fan at the train station in the cold. But, you know, like you said, on TV, for for a game, maybe maybe even half a game, maybe two games, it'll feel weird. But eventually you're going to get co- so caught up in watching the game and rooting for your team and, you know, watching to see what's happening and kind of yelling and screaming at the TV. You're just going to forget that it's, that it's different. You know,
0: just move on. I love this response. I would absolutely hate waiting for at the Cranky fan. <laughs> so how would you rate Gettleman and the Giants brass and handling this new era? Well,
2: I mean, I think, you know, as, as well as we can, I think the Giants, you know, thinking it as a, from a season's ticket standpoint, have been very upfront and a, been a lot of communication with the, the fans about, you know. When will will tickets be available? Will fans be allowed to be in the stands? They've done a great job of not requiring fans to pay money for tickets in the beginning of COVID suspending pay payments. Uh, they were very upfront saying that there would be no fans this year. So I think the most important things fans want are honesty and communication, and I think the front office has done that with us. Um, as far as the team itself, I mean, It's a lot to put on a team with a whole new coaching staff and you're in the middle of a complete rebuild and do it without having OTAs or mini camps and everything. So, I mean, again, we'll see what happens when the season starts. And if we look like a complete train wreck in week one through three, then the coaching staff did a bad job. If we look like we look like a football team, then they did a good job. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, the front office has done all they could in a very, very difficult situation.
1: The COVID handling in New Jersey in general has been pretty good. You know, while being hit hard and fast initially, they become one of the more, quote, safe states in terms of enforcement and regulation. Um, the Giants seem to be no different. Uh, however, it's a major, major, major setback for a team implementing an entire coaching overhaul. You know, at least the team is young.
0: At the very least, there's always hope for tomorrow. <laughs> Today we're joined in the Straight No Chaser studios by... At football underscore crump and at the cranky fan from the just giants podcast. So one more quick question before I get your parting thoughts: Do you think the season will be completed as scheduled?
2: I don't think so. I think what's going to happen is a
0: lot like baseball. I think you're going
2: to see a lot of you know cases during the season where there's teams having hot spots and. cancellation of a game here or there and they got to continue but i think with the fall coming up and a potential wave two of the virus uh you know human nature these guys are not going to be in a bubble i think this is going to be a lot worse than how baseball was in the non-bubble situation i think at some point it's going to get shut down i think they'll give it the old college try and there might be some you know creativeness with the schedule to try to make it happen but i think it's going to be too much uh, I don't think we're going to get through a whole season.
1: I'm not really sure if it's going to be completed as scheduled or, or what. I, I expect hiccups along the way because even though other sports have made this work, you know, they kind of – we're entering a whole new territory when we hit the winter with this thing. And, you know, who's to say what a fever is and isn't and, you know, the rapid test results aren't 100% accurate. And I, I expect some hiccups. I don't know if it's going to be completed at 17 weeks or if it'll be cut short, or if we just have to move things around because games had to get canceled. Um, but I, I, I think saying it's going to be completed exactly as scheduled is, you know, a very slim chance of that.
0: Gentlemen, I deeply appreciate these thoughtful responses. So happy to have made your acquaintance and you are definitely always welcome back here in these Trade No chaser studios. So before we call this a show, do you guys have any parting thoughts? Yeah, I think it's too
2: bad that we are in 2020 we're having this Giants Browns matchup because I think that would have been really exciting for the fans. It definitely would have been a would have been a media circus. I think it for anything, it's an advantage for both Odell Beckham and for the Giants to have this being played with no fans in the stands because there'll be a lot less distractions. I think. You know, the media won't be on them as much as they would be. There wouldn't be all the fanfare and stuff. So at that point, you know I think it's lucky for them, but it's it's disappointing because I know a lot of Giant fans would like to, you know, let Odell Beckham know what they think, you know, whether they can't stand him anymore or a lot of them who still love him. So that's that's too bad. But I think it's going to be an interesting matchup when they play, and uh, you know we'll see what happens. Who's healthy to you know think about who's going to win that game.
1: I'm excited to see football. Uh, you know, I this. This being the only sport that I really watch, I've waited all year for this and, uh, for it to, you know, to watch from afar and see the impending doom of this just continue on. You know, we initially got hit with the COVID, um, you know, scaling back on everything, um, football seemed so far away at that time to be unaffected and as this has creeped closer and closer to the beginning of the season it was kind of like watching that uh that door shut um so i'm just excited to see football it's a shame that the season is what it is this year but i'll do whatever is needed to make it happen for a season
0: the cranky fan and the football grump they host the just giants podcast that can be found at just giants pod on twitter
1: you, you can catch our show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, um, you know, just about anywhere where there's podcasts. We're on there. It's just Giants. Um, and I am on Twitter all the time. I am at football underscore grump, where, you know, every single day I'm talking football stuff, mostly Giants centric, but, you know, obviously it's a national league. So I'm kind of, I comment on everything.
2: And you can catch me as always on Twitter at the Cranky Fan, where I'm talking Giants I am talking Tampa Bay Rays. I'm talking Tampa Bay lightning. I am talking about anything and everything. And if I'm in a bad mood about my teams, you will definitely hear about it.
1: Oh, uh, thanks for having us.
0: Yeah, we really appreciate it. And, uh, hope to talk when the season starts. That was absolutely fantastic. Great job guys. Well, I for one, I'm certainly looking forward to it. And I hope to hear from you soon. Well, That was your dose of the straight truth. You've been listening to Straight No Chaser. I'm your host Thelonious7 on Dogs by Nature Radio. Take care. Go Browns.